following episode of Days of Thunder is brought to you as part of the PWOM Podcast Network. Subscribe to PWOM now to enjoy other fine podcasts talking wrestling of the past, the present, and much, much more. Let's start the show. Thunder Buddies and Travelers Down Thunder Road. It's us, Days of Thunder, the WCW Thunder rewatch podcast that you didn't ask for, but we did anyway, coming to you as part of the PWOM Podcast Network. I'm your host, your do-over upon Thunder Road, Dave Ryan, and I'm joined, as always, by my faithful co-host, Stagger Lee Malone. Lee, how are you this week? This is episode 48, The Redux. Yeah, yeah. Ah. Uh... The soft reboot of episode I, 48. Do you know what's sickening? And it's absolutely sickening. We loved episode 48. <laughs> yeah. And we're not going to do it justice on a redo to, what, yeah. a week and a half later. Yeah. Uh, do you know what? I think I, I think it'll be as fun for them to listen to it because they're listening to our first our takes for the first time. And I deliberately, I know, I think you went back and watched 48 again, did you? No, I didn't get time. Oh, <laughs> because of course it, I didn't. <laughs> I haven't so much as read my notes since the first time, so I'm really hoping that I've kind of forgotten what we talked about, so that it will, mm. like, it, it will seem less like we forced it. Basically, again. folks, basically, Lee's laptop be- absolutely shit itself. Yeah, our best episode ever was lost to the. Uh, gremlins in my laptop and yeah. unfortunately nobody will ever hear that magnificent audio yeah it's gone yeah it was it was weird though it went in a really weird way like normally when i've lost bits of shows before it's like you lose the start or the end of the show mm-hmm. but when oh, no, we lost the middle portion <laughs> the middle and it was like a substantial middle like it wasn't like it was equal thirds because we kept no. stopping and restarting the recording because of your tech issues but we got a good, it was a two hour show and we got a good hour and oh, a half it was like, in, yeah, it was in like the middle. An hour and 20 minutes gone. or something, gone, yeah. For some reason, my laptop decided to record the last words twice. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Just beyond all recognition fucked. But we're back. Anyway, if you're hearing this, we haven't, we've we managed to make it work and we didn't kill each other trying to get the, the second go out. <laughs> There's no hard feelings. They've just spent way too much time trying to fix an episode that wouldn't work yeah yeah <laughs> no we're just gonna breeze on by but uh aside from that aside from the inside baseball the inside thunder um how have you been pal it's like christmas is coming up pretty quickly uh, it's kind of it's weird because i've been counting down the days to finishing work I, i'm actually getting about a month off work this year which is great um I hate you. <laughs> it's just it's just because of the way with lockdown and everything like i know you were back in the office mm-hmm. like you were back like working on site uh within days oh, of yeah. lockdown yeah. 
whereas I was at home until the end of April this year. So I've accrued so many holiday days that they're just like, you're taking the piss now. You can't take these with you into 2022. So you have to take them all off at the end of the year. So I'm finishing on the 11th and I'm not back till the 10th oh, of January. Christ. Yeah. And now to, so, be, to be fair, I finish on the 20th, but for a different reason. Yeah, yeah. You you have got a uh, you're you're expecting uh, a bundle of joy and not one from Santa. Yeah, so I'll have you know plenty going on over Christmas. Um, yeah. not to get again too inside what we had planned for Christmas. We had yeah. a lot planned. We had planned to have episodes in the in the bank, and we may yeah. still get this, there. This technical difficulty thing is really fun. Oh, it's fun. Like <laughs> we'll we'll still have episodes over the Christmas period. Um, something really special as well. Yeah, we we're going to have um a Christmas special of some sort, um just for you to because I think you all remember we kind of take the week around Christmas off anyway and mm-hmm. come back like at the end of the first week of the the new year whatever way the thunder dates land. But uh, we're not going to leave you sans podcast. Um, but we won't. We'll obviously we, we actually our next episode in the timeline is the fiftieth edition of WCW Thunder, which, wow. <laughs> people said we'd never make it yeah I'm not sure if we have uh, <laughs> like you think about like think about sit down and think about that for a second like it'll be a 100 hours of thunder we volunteered for huh. <laughs> think of all the things you could have done in that time and that's just watching that's not even including the time we spent talking about it yeah yeah oh yeah you're doubling or tripling that time then Oh my god! Um, yeah, fun times. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that—that's yeah. next show. Um, yeah, and actually, by the way, speaking of on the next show, um, it was pointed out to us in the interim between our technical difficulties episodes, uh, we were supposed to get to WCW Snow Brawl on the episode forty-nine, which is part of this episode now. Um, and I think what we're going to do is put that onto episode fifty. Mm-hmm. Um, it happens in between episodes forty-eight and forty-nine, but. I doubt it's I in think, canon, is it? Uh, no, God, no. no. Um, uh, doing episode 48, 49, and Snow Brawl, and if we can find Beach Brawl as well. Mm. Uh, like, I know they're only, like, one or two match cards each, um, but I think that's still an awful lot. Um, so putting it on to just the standard, like, the, the episode mm. 50, I think is the, is the best call for everybody. Um, we, will, we will make it an episode 50 extravaganza. Yeah, absolutely. Um... But yeah, I suppose there's a, a, one other thing I, I want to bring up before we get, and it's not WCW related, but for anybody who listens to the podcast who is into video games, uh, I just want to do a quick plug for my, my other show, Link to the Cast, at Link to the Cast on Twitter. Uh, we're doing our Game of the Year content over the next month, so if you're if you're into your video games, follow us there. Uh, we'll have a bunch of articles coming out about our favourite games of the year and some guest articles as well from friends of the show uh, talking about their favourite games of 2021 culminating in our multi-hour uh four men arguing till they're blue in the face about the best games of the year podcast special um over christmas uh you will also have the chance if you're following us on twitter to vote in our game of the year tiebreaker poll so there's four of us on the panel and sometimes we get deadlocked two to two two to two on votes um and if you go to our tiebreaker poll when we post it on twitter you'll get the chance to cast the vote that may be the decider uh, in what is uh, a game of the year for us. Can, can so. I nominate FIFA 98 as game of the year? <laughs> oh, man. Like, <laughs> I, 
<laughs> like if we throw the game open, if we throw it open to retro games. It's gonna be like FIFA and uh, WCW NWO Revenge winning like every, every category year, yeah. every year. Tony Hawk Pro <laughs> Skater Two. Oh yeah, all w- that good w- shit. Would that count the uh, re-release of Tony Hawk's One and Two? It did. So we have a best game of not this year category if something okay, gets re-released. Yeah, okay. yeah, makes sense. Yeah, that's we had to think about it because uh, we're all like retro game heads. So the first time we went to build a list, we had like a list of games that didn't really come out that year. So <laughs> yeah, we've been doing it since 2015. So it's um like we're we're well seasoned at this point. But anyway, let's talk about some wrestling, shall we, Lee? Before we do. Um, I think after our difficulties last time, we're both imbibing tonight because if it goes south, mm-hmm. we we need to be sloshed so that we can we can take that blow to our ego. Um, what have you got this <laughs> evening? I have a pair of Rowan Co. Irish blended whiskies with a, a little bit of Sprite or Seven Up, whatever. You, same thing, really. Um, yeah. Whichever you prefer. Um, yeah, a little bit of Sprite mixed in just to kind of take the edge off it. Because again, being that this is my life, I'm awake since five o'clock this morning. It is now just coming up to eleven o'clock at night, and this is my life now. <laughs> Would it perturb you to learn that because this is my first, this is my first of my two days off the day we're recording this? So not only did I sleep till eleven a.m. today, but I also had a nap this evening. <laughs> When I say I had a nap when I came home from work today, it was literally 40 minutes. That's, uh, yeah, that'd be the kind of nap that would leave me, like, feeling more tired. More tired. Well, yeah, like, and it's yeah. kind of sick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I am planning to, on this program, finally finish off a bottle that has been with us since near the very start of uh, Days of Thunder. And that is the Jemison Distillery Edition. Um, ah, nice. Which I think I did buy right around the time that we started this show, because um, I had like that Christmas before we started. I went up to the Jemison Distillery a bunch. I was just gonna say you 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 had done the the, the tour, hadn't you? I did the tour two different times, yeah. <laughs> two groups of friends, yeah. Uh, and on one of them, I, I bought this, um, and it has treated me very well and has been very special occasion sort of whiskey. But there's very little left in it. Um, and I am about to power it down with uh, the aid of some patented Coke Z um, to, to smooth that process. Because I think much as we both enjoy our spirits, Lee, we're also massive cowards. Uh, <laughs> well, like I said, it's also a Sunday night. So, you know, you, you want to take it easy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, the Christmas special, it might be just hard spirits, not diluted with anything. We, we'll see. It depends, because <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, wait till you see the show that I came up with for us to watch for a Christmas special. Uh, oh yeah, this, wow. this is all you, all yeah. you. I'm not yeah, taking I'll any take, responsibility for this one. I'll take the blame in advance. Anyway, look, we've got plenty of thunder to talk about on this show, so let's get cracking. Thunder, episode 48, the second half of a double shot, usually a very bad sign, my friend, from Indianapolis, Indiana, dated 28th of January, 1999. Uh, the Wolf Pack is in the house tonight, according to Tony, and the... Uh, 
increasingly ridiculous tag team tournament also rages on. Uh, Tony, Brain and Tanae remind us that Flair is more focused than ever because we are now ramping up that uh, Flair versus Hogan rivalry coming into Super Brawl 9. Uh, Tanae also points out, <laughs> which I thought was very funny during this introduction, as if we didn't need it illustrated for us already, Lee. They said how refreshing it is to have this tournament because, did you know... Eric Bischoff does not like tag team wrestling. I've heard that rumor. Yeah, uh, I've also heard know that it by watching the product. <laughs> um, yeah, look, it, it's just at this stage where it's like a meme that you know Bischoff hates wrestling or tag tag yeah. team wrestling. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, it's just it's ridiculous. Like, and I'm I'm guessing whoever the new booker is isn't particularly fond of tag team wrestling either. Because yeah. this tournament blows. <laughs> yeah. It's an absolute farce and we will get into it on this show. Uh, but our opener pits Psychosis versus Humorous with Jimmy Hart. Um, uh, Morris representing the first family tonight. Um, I don't know about you, Lee, but when this, um, when this match started and I saw the two men here, I was like, you know... We've gone on record on this show as being uh, fans, mm-hmm. considerable fans of Psychosis, but uh, not so much of one Bill um, No. on a number of levels. Um, so I didn't have a whole hell of a lot of expectation for this particular opener. Mm-hmm. Um, Tanae teases uh, another round one match happening tonight, so more on the, the tag team title tournament and we will get to see Lee the return of our favourite tag team Young Dumb and Bobby Dumcum <laughs> that never ever gets old no matter how many not, times not, you have to do, redo an episode not one time I do the giggles every <laughs> single time Um, I thought right in execution this was a very interesting match because as we've noted whenever he's been on the program, um, Psychosis normally plays like the bigger bully mm-hmm. in cruiserweight matches. So he, like, he's the fig- physically bigger guy. He pushes the, the, the smaller high spot dudes around the place um, and he can impose his will on them. Mm-hmm. But he, he can't do that against all, what, 300 plus pounds of, of humorous here. Yeah, we, we've mentioned it. Like Psychosis is like an all-time great like luchador base like that power junior he's just he's so good at it he's also crazy as fuck which helps yeah (laughs) Um, but look i mean the name is not a coincidence no it is not but this is totally different this was a totally different psychosis you're Mm -hmm. not very often like you said you don't see him going against heavyweights the size of build them up or humors too often um and it was kind of fun to see him play the kind of under underdog baby face um and he do you know what he didn't abandon his power moves he he no. kind of stayed true to his own character in that sense he yeah. didn't all of a sudden become Rey Mysterio and just fly around the no. ring he still was psychosis and did his own crazy shit yeah he he was definitely more aerial but it wasn't mm-hmm. to a point of silliness yes uh like you said it was a lot of um Again, more aerial maneuvers, but ones that were kind of like um, physically devastating as opposed to athletically impressive. Like, mm-hmm. I think particularly 
um, right at the start of this, he hits uh, a really cool suicide dive. And, you know, a suicide dive is it's an athletically impressive mm-hmm. maneuver. It's it's quite aerial. But at the end of the day, it makes sense for that character because he's like bigger and more physical than your average luchador. He nails a suicide dive that is going to hurt you a lot more than one of the smaller dudes yeah. who would just theoretically bounce, bounce off. off. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a thing that always impresses me about Darby Allen, not to, to go on into an AEW thing, but you watch his suicide dives and there's such velocity behind them. Yeah. And that's what makes it so impressive. And yeah. like, Austin Aries... Like a, gu- like a gunshot Austin there. Aries was another one that was so good at that as well for being a smaller heavyweight. Um, he did that so well. The, the, like a great example in this match of how... Psychosis adapted is early in the match he hits a spin and wheel kick on mm. the on um humor I keep calling build the mot now that you said it <laughs> on humorous that doesn't even really stun him it doesn't knock him off his feet or anything it just kind of stumbles him a little bit yeah and then later on in the match he hits a spin and wheel kick off the top rope and that's what gets him down yeah and it's that little those little bits of storytelling in the match that make this mm. such a fun opener it's mm. it's totally yeah. different to what we normally see it's like he's aware of you know these spectacular moves by themselves or me attempting this thing mm-hmm. once isn't going to be isn't going to do the job against uh humorous like it would against uh the other guys i'm usually against here so again we go back to that suicide dive spot mm-hmm. and he does the suicide dive but he realizes that in and of itself isn't enough to seriously wound humorous so he pretty much directly throws him back in the ring and then does a, like a drop kick to the back of his head mm-hmm. um, straight away because it's the, the idea that this guy is the bigger guy and I know from being the bigger guy in other matches that I need to stay on him. I I, um, I have to use combination moves. Like, it has to be this and something else. Yeah. 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 Um, and interesting because again, uh, like I, I, again, my favorite thing about this match is, is psychosis being out of his usual comfort zone and playing a slightly different role. So mm-hmm. when you see uh, the heat spot come in and Morris slow things down with a headlock, which is usually what psychosis does against the other luchadors, it's really interesting. Um, because you have him as this kind of baby face in peril that people want to see him do the high impact moves whereas he's normally the guy that's grinding that stuff to a halt mm-hmm. um an interesting time capsule piece in this match lee was just to show how 90s this fan base was uh during this uh prolonged heat and, and headlock spot um which i normally again depending on the match the headlock spot is kind of just switch off the brain time in a lot of these tv matches but in this i was interested to see that um to get additional heat during the headlock Hugh Morris uh, attempts to pull psychosis's mask off and it gets no reaction from the crowd because mm-hmm. there isn't that um cultural reference point for american fans understanding how big and sacred the mask is for a lot of them which is funny when you consider where one of the main feuds in the company is going. Yeah, yeah, and where one of the main cruiserweight feuds last year went. Yeah, with Hoovy. That's true. Yeah, like just thinking back on that, like there was very little build to Jericho actually taking Hoovy's mask. Yeah, it was like what a two week build. Yeah, and it's pretty much the same with where we're going with the feud you're mm-hmm. referencing, where. In between this thunder and the next thunder, they set up that step. Uh, but more on that on, on episode 49. Um, 
So, uh, I I do love um, brain is is it um brain is talking about getting a um a, a contract extension off Flair, and today is just appalled by that. <laughs> There's some chat about a contract extension, and today is just like, what? Isn't this where um, Bobby insults all the office staff? Yeah, yeah. He, um, he's doing this for the first... He, he he has that bit between his teeth for, like, most of the night, where he's talking about... He's trying to reassure everybody that, oh, you think uh, Flair as WCW president is like a fucking carry-on movie yeah. with him chasing the women in bikinis around the desk, but, like, the way Brain puts everyone's minds at ease is basically going, no, 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 all the staff at WCW headquarters are incredibly ugly. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think he says like, "Oh, Flair's been at the office day and night, and he's there all the time." And you know, I'm hanging around looking to get a, a contract extension. And and the boys are absolutely disgusted by this. And Heenan's instant go to is, "Oh no, no, no! Don't worry, all the women are ugly." Yeah, <laughs> it's not that Heenan's yeah. you know scamming them for a new contract. Yeah, he's like, "Oh no, it's not like that, guys." Um, Morris attempts a splash to the outside after uh, Jimmy Hart does a little bit of interference, but he eats shit. Uh, Jimmy d- tries to distract again which allows Hugh Morris to capitalise and suplex Psychosis into the ring um, Psychosis tries to mount a comeback but uh, Morris is definitely in control of the match at this point between the rest holes as I mentioned and then he'll kind of after every periodic uh, hulk up from Psychosis uh, just a couple of power moves put him right back down again Um brain again he brings up the office staff again um and hey lee at this point we get some uh heavy you better watch out here because there is some heavy name dropping mm-hmm. that you might get hit with here um today just casually mentions that goldberg on monday on nitro in something that we probably would have done a nights of nitro on had we realized it was this week um <laughs> goldberg hanging out with one jean-claude van damme on Nitro, no less. Yeah, not just like in general. I like I consider myself a pretty big wrestling fan. Yeah. I had no idea John Claude Van Damme showed up on Nitro. I think I read it in either one of the WCW books or an old observer that he was on, but I've never actually seen the footage, I don't think. Um, it seems like on, something that would be in death of WCW, but again, I have yeah. no recollection of it. it. When you say John Claude Van Damme was on Nitro, it seems like something my brain goes, yeah, okay, that definitely happened. Uh, but it also feels like something that would be Mandela affected, where we all think, yeah, yeah, John Claude Van Damme was definitely on Nitro, and then it turns out he wasn't. But in this case, he actually was. Um, and it was all as part of Lee. Uh, Goldberg securing a major role in Universal Soldier 2. Um, and at this point, I would like to say, just to confirm to everybody at home, yes, when Universal Soldier 2 comes out, we will be doing a Days of Thunder at the movies for Universal Soldier 2. <laughs> uh, See so if that's to look forward to. Were, were you in the 90s, Lee? Were you a, a JCVD guy? I... As you are well aware, I was not a movie kid. I wasn't watching a yeah. ton of movies. So, yeah. again, I was aware of Jean-Claude Van Damme, who wasn't. Mm. I mean, when, what, the year 2000, I turned 14. So, yeah, I would have been well aware of who Jean-Claude Van Damme was, but I wasn't a big, 
you know, I wasn't watching fucking any of his movies, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, like, again, if I'd known this was a thing, it would have stuck in my brain. Yeah. I was kind of hoping you would have said to me that you had actually seen Rob Van Damme before you had ever heard of Jean-Claude Van Damme, because that would be interesting. They are tr- They are in my mind together because, again... Yeah. As soon as I became aware of Ron Van Damme, I knew who John Claude Van Damme was before yeah. that. Um, I, I, I had two reference points from growing up. One was obviously Street Fighter the movie. Yes, Rest obviously. in peace, Raul Julia, a real one. Um, but uh, also the episode of Friends he was in. I actually forgot he was in Friends. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where where Monica and Rachel uh, are on the movie set he's on. Just want to say, Street Fighter, the movie, you cannot find online. It's not on any streaming service. Oh, um, I may be able to purchase that for you if you're looking for it. <laughs> I was looking to show Connor about six months ago. Why are you trying to make sure he'll never be interested in Street Fighter? <laughs> oh no, he loves Street We We play Street Fighter on the PS, um, PS4. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, we... I think it's one of the Street Fighter Ultra 5 or something like this is like free on the yeah, PlayStation yeah. Now account whatever I'm showing my age here I don't know <laughs> yeah. Period. do you know what's great is that like I don't know you to be a video game guy at all but like periodically you'll say something to me about video games where it's like oh yeah I forget that Lee has a son so he actually knows some of the current day stuff like whenever I see you tweeting about Fortnite I'm like <laughs> that's so weird because like I'm so into video games and I couldn't give a fucking squirt of piss about Fortnite to be honest with you but Fucking Lee live tweeting a Fortnite live stream there the other day. I was like, what the that was fuck last night. Of... <laughs> yeah, what the fucking a Twilight Zone have I walked into here? Um, yeah, no, kind of got all excited. He's like, oh, can I stay up and do the event? Because it's on a Saturday and it's early and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, right, fine, you can do it. Yeah. So as he's doing the event, I was like, holy shit, The Rock just showed up in Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> and he just turned to me and goes, oh, yeah, everyone knew that was going to happen. I'm like, wow. who's everyone? <laughs> yeah, who's everyone? And why didn't they tell me? Uh, it was the same thing when like... Ryan, Ryan, Ryan Reynolds showed up in Fortnite like about three months ago. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, man, kids these days, huh? <laughs> I come through, oh, I, I'll tell you a great one, right? So I obviously, you know, everybody knows my, uh, you know, my job involves me working with with young people Mm -hmm. a lot from the ages of like 12 up to about, you know, early 20s. And uh, our youngest group, who are all 12 and a couple of 13 year olds, I try to talk, you know, you try to to make those kind of like interpersonal relationships Mm -hmm. and have a chat with them and, and kind of like chat to them about what they are interested about and trying to instead of trying to make them interested in the kind of da stuff that we like. So um, I'm chatting away to them about video games. And like at that age, I'm thinking, because, you know, at 12, like I was maybe, you know, I was playing some violent video games, but, <laughs> you know, like in my head, I'm like 12 year olds there. It's all still candy and puppy dogs for them. So I'm chatting away to oh, one no. kid who's oh, like, no. oh, who's, I'll come back to that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who's like quiet as a church mouse. And like, it's tough to get anything out of him. He like, he he doesn't really like chat, especially about himself. And I knew he was into video games because I'd seen the switch. Uh, mm-hmm. In he pops the switch out of the bag sometimes when we're doing nothing in in, in the room. 
And uh, I was just like, oh, what kind of stuff are you playing? And he started talking about Minecraft and stuff like this. And I was expecting that, you know. And I, I know I've played Minecraft, so I, I can Shit. talk to him about that. What? <laughs> Shit. You ate Minecraft? Were, were you a Lego kid? No. <laughs> yeah, that's probably, that's why. Um, there's usually, there's a pretty solid Venn diagram. Of, like, you're into Lego, you're probably into Minecraft. But anyway, um, and he goes, oh, I play a couple of other games. And I was like, oh, yeah, what kind of ones? And he lists a couple, and I've heard of them, but I've never played them. And he goes, and I've played one, but I'm not sure you've heard of it. And I was like, oh, what is it? And he goes, Doom Eternal. No. It's <laughs> like this tiny little kid playing fucking Doom Eternal. And I was like, not only do I know Doom Eternal, it's like I've been playing Doom since about 1994, my friend, when it was the first one on MS-DOS. Yes. Which, by the way, was the first time that child had ever heard MS-DOS in his life. It was also and the best Doom, and I won't take any questions about it. Oh, oh look, I won't argue with you. <laughs> um, but yeah, on that topic, like... <clears throat> Connor turns nine this week, and he is adamant that his Happy friends birthday are playing to Grand the Big Dog. <laughs> he is adamant that his friends are playing uh, Grand Theft Auto, hmm. and I'm like, no, they're not. They are. They're playing. Grand-. I was like, yeah. no, no, they're not. <laughs> yeah, I often wonder how I'll navigate but, that but, when I'm a dad. But see, here's the thing: I was thirteen or twelve playing Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. Oh, look, again, I was playing Doom Age 5. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, I was getting like, shown these games on the PC by my dad as soon as I was a kid. Like, it was just like... Yeah. So, yeah, it is one of those things, like, you always think, oh, I'll be the cool dad. You won't. <laughs> it, yeah, it, but see, it's tough to say because, one, in my head, I'm like, it'd be hypocritical of me to say absolutely not when I know well I was playing that and worse oh, yeah. when I was a kid. But at the same time, I'm like, do you know, the fact that I still play games gives me, a, like, a competitive advantage that I could probably, like, play or read up on most mm-hmm. things and go, oh, would it traumatize them? Would it not? And I guess it depends on the individual kid as well. Mm-hmm. Like, there's some kids who can see all this stuff and be completely unfazed by it. And then other kids who, like, drop a blood and they're absolutely traumatized. Yeah, man, I am terrified because I know in the next year or so I'm going to have to get this show on the phone. Oh, God. And that's when it all started. Like, it's just like, this is like, yeah. it, it's going to get real fucking hard. <laughs> yeah, that's like, I, I, I don't envy that at all. And, you know, I have that day coming up, like not as soon as yours, obviously, because I don't have a kid yet. But, uh, yeah, fun times. Anyway, back to Hugh Morris versus Psychosis, I guess. Uh Mara, that was an all-time segue for us, by the way. Before we get into that, we'll go back to uh, Jimmy Hart and the First Family. Um, Yeah. I asked you on this original recording, are you aware of where the First Family originated? Do you know what? I wasn't when we did it the first time. Then you told me. Then I forgot. (laughs) So no, Lee, I don't know. So when Jimmy Hart first broke into the business, well, first got um, big in the business in Memphis in the 70s, the name of his faction was the First Family. Hmm. So you had the Heenan family in the AWA, and then you had the First Family in Memphis with Jimmy Hart, and then, of course, they both went to the WWF. Um, Jimmy, of course, moved on to WCW, became you know Hulk Hogan's manager in real life and in storyline. Then he moved over to the Dungeon of Doom, and that's where he got guys like the Faces of Fear, Humorous, Stuff like that. So now when they brought back Jimmy as a manager, they 
decided to reinstate the first family as a thing. So yeah, the mm. first family goes back what at this stage twenty odd years. You wouldn't fucking know it. This uh, watching WCW, um, but I guess I I suppose um, it's only relatively recently we've seen a major American company start to acknowledge wrestling that happens mm-hmm. outside of its own borders. So you know, I guess we shouldn't judge them by those standards like, because this was it was common practice to ignore a lot of like, the past. Imagine how cool it would be to say you know former members of the first family were X Y and Z and. Mm. And now you have these guys, Humorous and, and um, the Faces of Fear, or, or the reunited Faces of Fear, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, that's the kind of stuff that we now get, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. It, it would be just a nice little nugget for long-term fans. Um, Humorous goes up top. He misses a splash. Um, Psychosis hits the spinning wheel kick you mentioned mm-hmm. uh, off the top rope. Uh, goes up again but he misses the moonsault uh, slam from Morris and now it's his turn for the moonsault and he wins uh, he says as this segment ends that this is just the beginning um, then we get a flashback to the NWO hijinks with Vince um, I was really hoping Lee when they did this uh, video package that they'd show Vince putting his head through the ceiling <laughs> tile again and complete a complete whiff that they didn't. I was so annoyed, but what can you do? Um, something I hadn't really thought about before this uh, video package, Lee, but watching it all again from last week's Thunder really made me realize. Um, so the storyline was that Vince is secretly like, well, not so secretly because he's dumb and terrible, but he's supposed to be in cahoots with, with Hogan and the gang, you know, mm-hmm. Um instead of in cahoots with the B team and it's part of the the NWO fracturing again because we all aren't sick of that already. Um, But even though Vince is in league with the boys, he for some reason didn't know they were being recorded on closed circuit TV that that Hogan and the lads were watching. Yeah, it's one of them things you really have to kind of just go... Well, and and I like... He didn't realize they were being recorded, and then he's talking into the camera, asking who's watching them, and yeah, it's for, just, for ages it's, going, "Hey, we're being recorded." Yeah, he's just a, an actual like. I want to believe that Vince is an actual idiot. Yeah, it's not a hard belief. It's yeah. Here, here's the way I rationalized it was that. Vince is an idiot, so even though he is in cahoots with Hogan and that, they didn't trust him to tell him mm-hmm. about the recording. So they did the recording and didn't tell him because they're like, Vince is an idiot, he'll just tell them. Yeah, it, it, it's like Vince is stooging off the black and white while telling the black and white that he's actually in charge. Mm. And he is in communication with Hogan. Yeah. Ha oh, hum. Uh, our next match is Jericho with Ralphus versus Silver King. Uh, Thursday night, Ralphus signed in the crowd. That was a very lucky fan. They got their Ralphus. Um, I, I do like how um, Silver King came out with his lasso and Jericho gets in the ropes to break up a potential lassoing <laughs> right here at the start of I the I mean, match. he's watched his tapes. He's seen Silver King use yes. that lasso. Yeah, he's, he's a student of the game. Uh, he gets on the mic to remind everybody that he is, in fact, better than them. Uh, deja vu there with with a certain current day heel. Um, it's it's funny when you revisit Chris Jericho in nineteen ninety eight. How much stuff has been picked up? 
there is a, a not a, yeah a, like by people in general but specifically i'm noticing a lot of mjf there's two people in particular i can think of on aw television yeah yeah, uh, yeah. well i think the second one we know has like overt like uh Chris Jericho took that particular current AEW Women's mm-hmm. Champion under his arm. Yeah. Um, like the role model stuff is the real. Like if you didn't know it before. Yeah. <laughs> like, but anyway. Um, she's she's only gets, short of calling herself a paragon of virtue. Do you know what? And I'll have that all day if she wants to start doing that. Um, that'd be great. Um, he said he's feeling generous tonight and will let the whole audience applaud him. <laughs> Uh, nice fun and quick start here Silver King nearly fucking murders Jericho with a triangle crossbody yeah I mean Silver King is a big guy (laughs) yeah yeah Uh, as as one Jack Lazell once said uh, of Jeff Cobb built like luggage yes Um, Uh, but yeah no like Silver King is a guy we see very rarely. Like, yeah, uh, not nearly often no, enough. No, this is like the kind of undercard guy that I wish we saw more of. Mm. Because he, he has, even without being a name, like in American wrestling, he has a bit of cachet. Yeah. And he's something a bit different in the ring. Yeah. He's like he's a luchador, but he's a bit, he is actually a big, a big unit. Like he, he yeah. matches up with Absol- a lot of the heavyweights. Absolute package of a man he is, um, and yeah, like like you said, he's one of these undercard guys we'd like to see a hell of a lot more of. In fact, I would say all three um, luchadors who are on the undercard in a mm-hmm. row here: Psychosis, Silver King, and Super Kalo in the next match. Like if you had the three of them as undercard luchadors on every Thunder, I think the quality of this program would tick up exponentially. Like I'm not, um, I'm not going to um, spend too much time worrying about. But like if you had like Silver King or Super Kalo or, or Psychosis as he was before as TV champion and just having a TV title match on Thunder every week. I mean, could be five minutes, could be 15. Show. Yeah, yeah. Any length of match, any type of opponent, guys like that are going to have something like it may not always blow the doors off and be kind of like go out your way to watch this Thunder, but it'd be something mm-hmm. different and something interesting. That's for sure. Um, Jericho's heat in this match involves a lot of stomping and using the TV cables to try and choke Silver King but then Silver King in his comebacks tries to choke him with the lasso which is clever <laughs> uh, Jericho then whips King with the uh, the lasso oh my god yeah right so here's a thing that I really loved about this match and it's like the smallest little thing but it's something I haven't noticed a lot of people do so um, Jericho attempts a lion tamer and you know the usual reversal of the Lion Tamer League where people try and reverse the twist, like the momentum, yeah. or they try and like over twist to flip Jericho out. Those are the usual mm-hmm. ones. Or you try to Here's like two, yeah. you try to just reach out for the rope or anything to stop yeah. yourself from being turned over. Those are the normal ones. But this is actually like a really like small and you know, a little bit silly, but very clever and a very like lucha based way of countering. So he Silver King is flat on his back and Jericho gets his legs to do the the tamer. And what Silver King does, I best the best way I could describe it is he basically bunny hops with his back. So he does little like a little jump and a little scooch with just his back and he uses it to kind of like bounce himself over yeah. towards the ropes. I thought it was just like it's just a really simple little thing that 
made a lot of sense to me. It, it's one of them logical things where if my back isn't on the mat, he can't rotate me. He can't twist me. Yeah, I'm not giving and, up that positioning because then yeah. I'm done. And it's one of them things where, like you said, if you think about it logically, you're like, actually, yeah, that works. Because mm. if his body isn't prone on the mat, he can't be... As he's like constantly squirming and jumping, his body isn't able to be twisted into position. Yeah. And it's just, like you said, it's, it's a little minor thing that... Like, I didn't even pick up on until you said it to me the first time. I'm like, yeah. my God, that it's so brilliant. And they don't even mention it on commentary. I was just bowled over by it. Uh, spinning a somersault leg drop for two. Spinning DDT for two again. Jericho reverses. Oh, yeah. So this is cool as well. A cool little reversal. Uh, normally, you do the corner post reverse where a guy whips you into the corner. And as he's charging at you, you post out of the corner. You mm-hmm. land behind him. So Silver King goes to do that. And as he's posting, Jericho uh, spins, grabs him, Alabama slammer. Really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then now he's on his back and he's prone, so locks in the lion tamer and wins. Again, a very enjoyable little match. Yeah, and like, don't get me wrong, Jericho obviously has the experience of working in Mexico. He's going to work a lot better with the luchadors than a lot of the WCW talent would. But there's so many people on the roster that they could have these type of matches with every week and never, ever get repetitive. But even, like, you could do... You don't even have to do, like, change it up every single week. You can do short TV programs mm-hmm. with a lot of these these combinations. Um, and I'd still, like... If you if, if we turned on episode 49 and it was Silver King versus Jericho again, I'd be like, yep, yeah, give me another serving of that. That was lovely. Yeah. You know, all, like, all, once all again... It, all it takes is Snake coming on and saying, you know, Silver King felt he had Jericho at one stage last week and he wants to prove he can beat him. Yeah, yeah. And, like, once again, not a stop what you're doing, turn on Thunder 48 and watch this, but if you happen to watch this episode, which, mm-hmm. again, overall, we get to it at the end, I think is one of our favorite episodes in a long time, at least the mm-hmm. first half of this show, for sure. Um, I think you'll enjoy yourself while you're with this match. Um, Flair versus Hogan video package. Um, the only new footage in this that we hadn't seen before on the show was Flair using Arn's tire iron uh, to break <laughs> into a limo window. Now, uh, we talked about this the first time that I think we'd seen Arn with the tire iron on and off, but I think they've really been... The tire iron is now absolutely... You know, where Arn goes, the tire iron is sure to follow. Yeah, it's Triple H's sledgehammer now. It's now canon that Aaron travels everywhere but the tire iron inside his jacket. Yeah. So long before, long before it was armed Anderson, it was tire iron Anderson. Uh, <laughs> never forget. Never forget. Um, our next match uh, pits poor Super Kolo having to drag an interesting match out of Fit Finley. Um, okay, I'm just going <laughs> to... I'm just going to reach this this match sucked fifth indie yeah. is really fucking bad super Kalo yeah. is a guy i wish we saw more of like silver king um yeah. please stop pushing fifth Finley. yeah the the two of them clearly on completely different mm-hmm. pages um 
we got uh, Finley doing like lazy house show heel shtick by at one point like there's some guy get him abuse in the front row and he just does the shut up Adam and that's all he can muster and it's like that really emphasizes the level of effort that goes into this like he's very much I, I get like there was a place and a time and even maybe earlier in his run in WCW where people really put over Fit Finley matches and that's cool but and, and uh, you know, I've gone on record as saying there's a lot of his WWE stuff that I really enjoyed mm-hmm. because I felt like he was actually perfectly positioned as a throwback wrestler in that. I was just going to say he was a, he was a breath of fresh air in 2005 WWE. But you, but you know the way sometimes there's that gap between when you're with the zeitgeist in wrestling and before you're cool enough to be a retro where you kind of just feel out of place. And that mm-hmm. is, I think, Fit Finley in, in 1999 um, in WCW. He feels like a guy who's just going through the motions. And his matches consist of just, like, moves done in a vacuum. Um, and it yeah. just never gets me interested. Crucially, it never gets any of the crowds we watch his matches in front of interested. And, you know, we've said before, there are guys that we haven't got it. We haven't understood why a match is getting over. But we always give the credit. Like, if it gets over with the crowd, then it's over. And maybe mm-hmm. it's just us. Um, but he's definitely, like, the crowd don't give a fuck. Um, and we've seen crowds give a fuck when Super Kalo is in there with the right guy, so I'm not putting the blame. Even though I think, like, Super Kalo, it wasn't his greatest no. night at the office, I'm not putting the blame for this being cold and dead on him. No, because he's um, he's never pushed. Yeah, Finley has been pushed. Finley has been TV champion in the last 12 months. Finley ha- yeah. went on an undefeated run, which was yeah. horrendous. Um. Mm. Yeah, th- this all falls on Finley. He's he's the um, he's the veteran here. He's the one that should have been leading this match, and instead he's the one dragging it down. Yeah, um, he wins with the tombstone. Uh, next match, it's WCW Tag Team Tournament time, my friend, as Young Dumb and Bobby Duncombe take on uh, the new team to this tournament of. Uh, well, at least they're supposed to be taking on the new team to this tournament uh, that we have yet to see compete, and that is a Van Hammer and Wrath. And Lee, you know, as is tradition, we name all previously unestablished tag teams uh, in this uh, tournament. Have you come up with, because uh, you didn't the first time round, have you come up with a tag <laughs> team name for Van Hammer and Wrath? I'm going to be honest, I haven't thought about Van Hammer and Rat since the last time we recorded. And why not? I never stopped thinking about them. <laughs> um, no, I have not come up with a name because they are not worthy of getting a name because I'm pretty sure they never had a match in this tag team tournament in spite of being taken out before this match. They never got a return match. Yeah, I uh, I gave them a name, Lee, you did. as well, you know. Uh, I refer to Van Hammer and Wrath as the Craps of Wrath. And that was my first name, and I have not come up no. in the intervening couple of weeks with an advance on that. I think that was a strong opening gamut for me. Um, Before this match is due to start, though, we get a video backstage. Disco Inferno has killed Van Hammer. Uh, I, I, like, I, I love... I- 
the like you know whatever like I mean the, the idea that disco takes out a man of that size is very funny I mean make. that's a real social commentary on things because disco definitely killed the summer of love definitely for sure <laughs> so then we just need somebody uh, some like coked up uh Michael Waltree to come in and take it. Well, I was going to say, in terms of WCW, if you want a coked up businessman, take your fucking pick. <laughs> Throw a rocket, fucking ten of them back there. Uh, I mean, although brain brain suspects very summer of love style that maybe Van Hammer was just sleeping. <laughs> Michael Waltree would have been so much more interesting if he was coked up all the time. Hmm. Um, the Wolfpack are out now, and I just like. What a, like, even for, even for Doug Dillinger, what a catastrophic failure of WCW security policy. And, oh, they come out. So now it's apparently Young Dumb and Bobby Duncombe versus the Outsiders. Even though, Lee, even though WCW are in charge of the matchmaking. They, They don't want to be in the tournament. They hate tag team wrestling. Fucking... WCW are in charge again. Flair is the president. NWO don't have matchmaking power. And specifically, Flair has been rabbiting on nonstop about how the NWO are not going to be allowed to interfere with this tournament. And now they're in it. And they're not the only NWO team that are in the fucking tournament either. So, like, this is just... And I am really starting to notice this like the end of 98 and the start of 99 is where I'm really starting to notice the complete abandonment of any sort of pretense towards continuity and logic. Like there was the odd bit and piece here or there through 1998 where, you know, we were making fun of it and continuity Malone was trying to explain his way out of Mm -hmm. a hole on different things. But now it's in overdrive where there's like at least one or two of these kind of things a week. Well, I will tell you that if, while I was in work today, I listened to the guts of a five-hour podcast, <laughs> a Between the Sheets podcast, where it was covering the week of um, sold out two thousand, and all the going like it was literally five hours all about WCW that week. I would just like to say, by the way, the bottle is officially empty. Now. <laughs> he's he's done it. Uh, he's done. Um, they said it couldn't be done. But yeah, like it was literally all about the goings on of WCW that week. And let me tell you, things aren't going to get any better. No, no, I know that. <laughs> but these, like, Chris Sellner made a great point that these goings on were, they were forgiven in 1996 when they were happening. Like there was constant instances of these kind of continuity errors where they would say one thing and then all of a sudden like come back with oh well that's forgotten now and now we're doing this but because they were hot nobody thought about it it's the Dave Meltzer thing when when the product became stale all of a sudden every little problem is remembered it's it's you know Dave Meltzer always uh, like it's his maxim isn't it that he says like when a company is hot there's almost no mistake they can make that will cause that mm-hmm. hotness to fade away but when a company yeah. is cold there's almost nothing you can do to recover that 
uh, and get yeah. hot again. Um, and that's that's definitely the case. And I suppose as well in 96, 97 and even into 98, there was always, there was dumb stuff, but also there was the great hope that maybe some guys from the mid card would push through or you're going to mm-hmm. have like a, an a Eddie versus Ray feud to keep you going through a show or you have the rise of Goldberg or the, you know, the long angle with Sting and you have a hope that, you know, they're going somewhere. But by this stage now, you're getting more annoyed because not only are these continuity things still happening, but you have absolutely no hope. Even at the time in 99, I would say a lot of the kind of insider people, the people who are really watching closely and know the backstage goings on Mm -hmm. are probably starting to lose hope that they will ever turn this around and get back to where they were. Mm -hmm. Like they're still again, this is the year where it really starts to cave in. So early 99 business wise still doing great but i i think anybody really watching closely can see the mistakes yeah. since starcade 98 i mean we we mentioned that at the time you can forgive starcade 98 if it's followed up with something to yeah. follow it up with the georgia dome packed to the rafters and the finger poke could do them mm-hmm. all of a sudden everything is magnified yeah. That's a mistake. That's a mistake. That, mm-hmm. And like you said, it just everything becomes, well, that's a mistake on part, but that last mistake. And then it just builds and builds until people have lost faith in the product. And no matter what you do, you're not getting them back. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Hall gets on the mic. He says uh, to... Uh, young Dumba Bobby Duncum. He says either uh, you guys can have the night off or you can get beat up again. Enos stiffs Hall and we have a match. Although uh, saying we have a match is uh, very, very generous because Enos does get, uh, you know, I was kind of surprised that like in every match I see where Mike Enos uh, takes on a guy who is significantly above him on the totem pole, I think there must be a kind of, they must like the guy. Because he gets a lot more offense than I expect in in a lot of these kind of matches. And he does get a bit in here with Hall. Uh, are uh, you saying Mike but... Enos got a bit in Hall? <laughs> Damn it, that's one I wasn't able... Oh. oh, I'm raging you took that one. I mean, I mean you um, did just say that a stiff Enos yeah. got beat up by the Wolfpack as well, so... that That is true. They were beating that stiff Enos all over the place. Um... But then the the other two guys come in, Bobby Duncan and Kevin Nash, and that changed the dynamic of the match completely. And uh, a near fatality off a jackknife. This was one of those, it's devastating, it's dangerous, but damn, Lee, does it look cool. One of the ones where he lifts the dude up for the jackknife and essentially just lets him go. Oh, he lets him go at the peak of the lift, and it just looks yeah, yeah. The fr- the free fall <laughs> jackknife looks like the like an absolute death move. Do you know what? It's one of the best looking moves in wrestling, but I don't want to be the guy to take it, especially if I'm no. two hundred and forty pounds or whatever the fuck Duncan is. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, yeah, scary. Um, next match. Uh, what a lineup this one is: Disco Inferno versus Hector Garza. Um. Again, we give credit where credit is due on this program. Mm -hmm. And I popped big time for uh, when Hector Garza rips off his trousers, Disco sells it. Like just one (laughs) step short of taking a bump for the pant removal. Um, Um, On on the pant removal, where would you have Hector Garza on the the scale of all-time wrestling gimmicks that removed their pants? 
Oh, that's tough because that is a long and proud history, my friend. I I just when I saw it, I I all I thought of was the uh, Job and Buster in Arrested Development. I was like, are you saying you can wear stripper clothes even when you're not stripping? And he rips off the trousers. You tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I want Hector Garza doing that in catering during the day. Yeah, yeah. I I want Hector Garza coming to the ring with the Alliance of Magicians. (laughs) We demand to be taken seriously. Oh, (laughs) Great. What a gimmick. Hector Garza is definitely related to uh, Job, isn't he? Rollo. And I, I thought yeah. you were gonna say like one of the what are you like Tony Wonder or Rollo or one yeah. of the others in the the, the Magicians Alliance. He's definitely, oh, definitely great is. stuff. Yeah. Um. So Disco doesn't want any Agarza. Goes for a big hide. Uh. But we turn from uh, a break with Disco on top. Uh. I actually thought Hector Garza looked pretty good in this match. He did. Um, but Disco's heat gets big boring chance from the crowd, which I thought was a little unfair. Like, I'm one that will dump on Disco at the drop of a hat. You know, fucking, I'll, I'll bury that man with the best of them. But um, I didn't think he was bad in this match. But, you know, I think they were just like, we're not... I think they were... I think people were enjoying the opening couple of undercard and midcard matches. But now that we've had a taste of the outsiders, I think the they crowd were like, no, now, yeah. we're... we're yeah, we're ready to see the stars now, mm-hmm. and you've ta- you've you've shown us the outsiders, and then you've taken them away from us. So this is where a little bit of that frustration comes out. Um, Hector Garza hits just a chef's kiss level drop kick here mm-hmm. on uh, on Disco, which is incredible. Then he does a baseball slide to the outside and a gorgeous second rope moonsault yeah. to the floor. It, it's easy to see why in 2000, I think it was 2003, 2004, um, TNA wanted to get right in on Hector Garza. They wanted him to be yeah, their, their big, like he, they wanted him to be their Eddie Guerrero. Yeah. And then he got um, busted at customs. <laughs> yeah. I I came out of my chair for that moonsault, but I was so exasperated that the crowd didn't give a shit. Yeah. Well, um, see, look, what you'd want to be what you'd be talking what three hours into a taping at this stage yeah yeah you know people get tired i i, I appreciate that garza attempts a twisting sent on he misses uh disco recovers chart buster wins uh then we get nwo drama i wrote mother of god um they show a segment from nitro i think uh where hennig gets beaten up at the airport um Bischoff shortchanging fans at a signing. I did appreciate this, where they showed little bits of uh, Eric Bischoff, now Ric Flair's personal lackey, basically, and he's having mm-hmm. to go to fan signings, and he's arguing with a fan over shortchanging her, which I think is, like, perfect for Bischoff, the man and the character. You know, I mean, trying to shortchange, Eric- uh, like, a, a young adult over, like, $10 or something. Some people would say Eric Bischoff would has been shortchanging wrestling fans since 1998. Ayo. Um, holy shit, though. Um, what was going on with the editing of this segment? Oh, it's fucking horrendous. This is the one that jumps all over the place, isn't it? Yeah. This is one that I thought so- my, my stream was broken 
and it was just you know mm-hmm. that thing where like it just it, it's buffering so it's randomly jumping around like when you play the network on like consoles now and it's dog shit and it just randomly stops buffers and moves to a completely different thing yeah that that is what i was seeing here and i was like what it, the it, fuck it's is not this? like chris benoit is chopping somebody in the corner and then it comes back and scott hall is kicking somebody and it's just yeah. like what yeah. the fuck uh, they show Nash and Hogan versus Benoit and Flair on Nitro. Um, the editing of this, though, looked as awful as the wig Eric was wearing under his hat. But as we established the first time, Lee, we An are solidly 100%. Yeah. All-time great gimmick is the, the hair being shaved and wearing a wig, but pretending you're not wearing a wig. Mm-hmm. God bless Kurt Angle and his, and his, uh, his, his, his little uh, headgear. Oh, my God. All-timer. Um... Next up, we had Kaz Hayashi versus Bam Bam. Um, this match started off, Lee, with low-key one of my favorite moves in wrestling, and that is the big dude grabbing a, a guy, both hands around the throat, and hurling him diagonally across the ring. <laughs> the giant toss is yeah, just... Not, not, not oh. like a, a massive beal or giant toss, whatever you want to call it. It's just one of them great moves. Yeah. Yeah, it's that, and I, like I all like some of the the dumb, you know. I established on that Knights of Nitro where I described Giant versus Meng as the greatest match I've ever seen. <laughs> um, so people know that I I have a thing for the the tropes of the big immobile giant. Um, so I love that. I love the roar spot, you know that kind of stuff. <laughs> love it. The ECW Monster Mash Battle Royale is iconic. Uh, in my eyes um, Dave was that fan that The Rock was talking to when he was doing the, the big show promo with the yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah um, I could you know on that note I could watch specifically someone like Bam Bam Bigelow bully little dudes around all day yeah. long um, and it's funny that we're recording it on this day um, because it's actually today as we're recording this is the anniversary of the death of one of my favorite all-time uh, monsters who perfected the art of a squash match, Umaga. No way, is it? Yeah, I yeah. I that. saw our uh, the former Armando Alejandro Estrada tweeted out a picture of him um, last night, and yeah, it was because today is the the anniversary. I I don't know about you. Uh, but I fucking loved Umaga. Ah, oh, Umaga was so fucking great. I mean, the yeah. the first person to get a great match out of John Cena. Yeah. Oh my god, that Royal Rumble match, unbelievable. Is John Cena like uh, as revered as he is now without that Umaga series? That Umaga series leading into that three or four month run where he was wrestling like. Orton, Edge, or Sean, mm-hmm. every like some combination of those three every week, uh, leading up to his matches with Sean at and after Mania. Like I, I don't think, you know, I don't think anyone takes him remotely seriously as a wrestler. Now it was a long time before pe- a lot of people gave up the ghost and said, okay, he's good. But I think for a lot of us who are, you know, weren't just completely anti Cena. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this that was the few month period where we're like, you know what? Actually, yeah. this guy can be pretty good on his day. Um, but uh, look, I I loved Umaga. Um, I I loved watching him squash dudes. I thought he was a great monster. Um, I thought Armando was great with him. I thought, you know, 
I, I, I can't I can't decide which I loved best. Uh, Vince calling him Ooh Maga. You manga. Or, uh, Re- Re- Regal calling him You manga. <laughs> can't decide which one I preferred, but they were both great. I can't. I, I think the You manga is is iconic at this stage. Um, yeah. and you know what? Like, I don't want to say it's underrated or not remembered, but like the three minute warning gimmick was so over. Um, it's funny because it was so like it was such an ECW thing like it's proper it's proper 911 stuff like yeah yeah or like during the period where like Austin was injured and he just like came out every now and then to just like level mm-hmm. dudes with chairs but didn't wrestle uh, or actually specifically when he was do you remember when he was sheriff and he'd just come out and like just stun yeah. dudes or just like hit them Um, yeah that was good um but yeah, love Umaga. Big respect to Umaga. What a guy. Um, so, Kaz valiantly tries to fire up with chops, but this wall of a man will not budge. Running headbutts, but uh, Bam Bam decides he doesn't want to finish yet. Slam up top, misses the splash, and this is where Kaz sees an opportunity. Hits a drop kick, kick to the knee, huge crossbody, but powers out of it at one. Another spot about a monster I love. Uh, he get he Kaz goes for a hurricane rana. Uh, he gets caught, but he rolls through and then walks into a gigantic bam bam lariat. Uh, greetings from Asbury Park, and that's the end mm-hmm. of it. Very enjoyable squash. I think they actually hit Kaz got like just the right amount of shine in yeah. this, where it's like you you literally as your brain starts to go oh. There might be a ch- oh no, it's yeah. over. <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah, he gets like a near fall and then eats the Larry and the the greetings. Um, and I I love that Bam Bam is getting these squashes leading up to the Goldberg match. Yeah, uh, I on the Brothers of Destruction versus Kai and Tai squash rating scale, I give this a four stars. <laughs> Fair. Uh, did we talk about that? Like, I know we've talked about that particular squash match, the the Kai and Tai one before. But what's your favorite all time squash? Do you have one? Hmm. Favorite all time squash. Actually, do you know what might be an idea? Put a pin in that, Lee. Listeners, tell us. Or actually, what would be even better is if you can get a YouTuber daily motion link. Yes. Tell us and send us some of your favorite squash matches of all time. And Lee, you have a think about one. And on episode 50, we'll talk the best squash matches of all time. Because I probably have a few that I... uh, Can I just say one of my favorite squashes of all time was um, AW Dynamite versus uh, NXT. Yay! (laughs) I thought you were going to say on Dynamite. Do you remember the Lance Archer, Marco Stunt one? Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Where it actually properly worked some fans into being like, I don't like Yeah, this. no, it was properly <laughs> uncomfortable, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Best kind of squash. Um, but Best yeah, no, we, we, we'll we revisit this topic on uh, episode 50. Yeah, yeah. Um, just, ah, oh, yes, I'm excited now. Um, main event time. Conan and Ray versus The Outsiders. Um, they alert us here in something that I, I mentioned the first time we did this. I had completely forgotten that Conan was hoofed out of the NWO, uh, out of the Wolfpack. Um, 
Disco is out with the Outsiders and uh, again, Disco popped me for a second time on this show as he attempts to disco dance to the Wolfpack team, which rhythmically does not the work. The uncoolest man in the world. Yep. And he would only get uncooler. Yes, he would. Um, it's funny because I, I always think that if your star is big enough, there's a, there's a thing people say is that if a guy is kind of over, you shouldn't bring him out twice on the same show because you'll kill the second pop. If if you want them as a big star, you want to save them up so that there's a huge pop for the one significant time they come out. And I would have thought, and it definitely would have been true at a point, 96, 97, and 98, where no matter how many times you brought out the Outsiders, people would Mm -hmm. lose it. And no matter how many times we've seen it uh, throughout 98, no matter how many times they played the Wolfpack song on Thunder... Uh, not only did the crowd pop, but we popped because it's an all-time great theme. Um, the second time the Outsiders appear in this show, though, Lee, quite muted, I thought. It really was. And my theory behind that would be, it had to have only been, what, 20 minutes, 25 minutes at most? Yeah. Between their appearances. Right. Um, yeah. But, yeah, like... I thought, in comparison, Conan and Ray coming out to what initially was Conan's music, wasn't it? Um, Like, those guys, the pair of them together, are so incredibly over. Mm -hmm. It's like, my God, this company is so fucking stupid for not getting behind these two as a pair. Yeah. Just, it it boggles the mind, doesn't it? Like, you look at where... Where American culture in particular is gone in the spring of 1999 and what was to come musically, culturally. Yeah. Like, if WCW had been on top of things and not been a company full of racist pieces of shit. You could say that for the the wrestling industry as a whole because, like, look how... Look how much WWF struggled to create uh, a Latino Oh, star. yeah, don't, don't, you know don't get I mean? me wrong. WWF took, what, five years beyond this point to actually fully get behind somebody. But, yeah. like, WCW was primed. Like, you look at Conan and how over he is at this point. And, mm. yeah, he isn't the worker he was four years ago. Yeah. But he didn't need to be. Yeah, at this uh, specifically at this period in wrestling history, you didn't need to be a workhorse no. to to be a massive star in the business. Um, but like, God, it it it's it's so incredibly frustrating knowing that WCW had so many opportunities, whether it was to be the work rate promotion or be the Hispanic, you know, the guys that pushes Hispanic wrestlers or stars. Mm-hmm. The the guys that, you know, didn't push Hulk Hogan above all else. The company that had Goldberg. Like, there were so many opportunities they had to differentiate themselves. And yet yeah. they just went back to the same well of the NWO over and yeah. over again. In spite of how many fresh and unique selling points they had. And that's the thing is that, like... You would think by the fact that they clearly, based on the way they recruited over the mid to late 90s, 
they definitely had a clue that all the luchadors uh, on the undercard uh, were a unique selling point that the others didn't mm-hmm. have. Now, partly that was because ECW didn't have it because they kept taking it off, covering yeah. up all yeah. the luchadors. That, yeah. Um, but they knew enough to know that they should have luchadors on the show and that the other company wasn't doing great mm-hmm. for them. But they didn't. They didn't just follow that through to its logical conclusion. And, like, I'm not saying, you know, Conan is probably the only one of them that would be ready for the big time push. Like, Ray, I could see Ray as a US champion at this point but, if you really put some welly behind him. I mean, you look at the people that were US champion in this, at this point in time. DDP, yeah. the, the 1A to Goldberg, you know, like, okay, yeah. it's probably not that, okay, he's the number two to Goldberg, to be fair. Yeah, Bret Hart, one of the biggest stars in the history of the night, like in the nineties in American mm-hmm. wrestling. Um, yeah, Ric Flair had been U.S. champ in ninety eight. Um, yeah. I'm trying to get like Chris Benoit was a guy on the up. Yeah, Raven, who in spite of yeah. awful booking, is incredibly over. I, yeah, the the only th- the only holdback you'd have against Ray, obviously, is because it's Land of the Giants era still, is the size thing. But I don't think that really applies as it much doesn't. for the US belt. And and for Conan, like I would have him again. Like you said, he's not a workhorse, but in terms of over, that guy should be in main events. Like not every single month, but he should be in the mix. I mean, you could you know? easily do a twelve-minute Conan Kevin Ash match on pay per view. Smoke and mirrors, like it could be a big kind of schmozzy yeah. type brawl, or you could have him, you could have Conan lead a, a war games team or something like that, you know, um, where you hide. There are ways, and Lord knows wrestling history is littered. Look at the fucking the three biggest stars in the company, like at this stage. Fucking Hogan can't work worth mm-hmm. a damn. Neither can Nash, and Hall is a fucking shell of himself. But, um, He turns it on from time to time. But you talk, they're the three biggest guys, and then Goldberg as well. All four of them extremely limited. But, but do you know what they give them? They want to hide yeah. them, so they can... But they, you know, for some reason, with Conan, it's like, no, nah, no, nah, bridge too far. Yeah, it's, they, they give those guys a mic and say, do what you want, get yourself over, whatever it is. Get over. And, mm-hmm. yeah, Conan is so popular with all, I mean, all WCW fans, whether you're white, you're black, you're Hispanic. Mm. His, you know, his, his promo, his, and it is just one promo, Yeah, is so popular. Like, he's come out on this tape, like, he comes out on tapings multiple times and gets the same reaction every single time. Look, fucking Brian Armstrong made fucking millions of dollars off one promo, and I wouldn't say he's nearly the charisma machine that Conan is. I I fully agree. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's get to the match. The Outsiders mock the Conan promo, speaking of the promo, uh, so you can tell that they're in real piss-take mm-hmm. mode tonight. Uh, Ray is too quick for Scott Hall. I appreciate that little bit of storytelling where Hall is just like, I can't keep up with this dude, fucking son of a bitch, and he started getting annoyed. And do you know what? If you got Scott Hall on a good day, Scott Hall would absolutely have put Ray Mysterio over. Yeah. And not only that, but on a good day... Scott Hall versus Rey Mysterio is a fucking banger match. Oh, you can't tell me that peak Scott Hall 
against Rey Mysterio in 99, not even peak Rey Mysterio, Rey Mysterio in 1999, couldn't have been one of the best American uh, pay-per-view matches in the 90s. No, they absolutely, like, again, like you said, and under the right circumstances on the right night, Hall could still turn it on. And I think that's why of those top guys I mentioned, like Goldberg and Nash and Mm -hmm. Hogan, I'm probably the most frustrated and annoyed with Hall because I know he has more natural wrestling talent than those other three guys I mentioned put together on a good night. Do you know what's fascinating? That in spite of having Nash and Hogan and whoever else in his ear for you know, the guts of these three years, four years, whatever his WCW stint ends up being, yeah, he still put over so many people. Yeah. Whereas if he had a clear head and a and had his business head on, like, that guy could have been the best thing to ever happen to WCW. Yeah. And I know as time, get, as time goes on, it gets sadder because I think one of the many reasons he can't do these banger matches anymore is the demons mm-hmm. really get the best of him as time goes on. But like at this stage, even though they've done the, the kind of like blur the lines alcoholism thing, we still see the oh, flashes. It's still there. It's still there. He still has enough physically that he could do it. But at this stage, he's the stuff going on at home and the everything we hear about what it's already like toxic wise backstage it's like dude is just here cashing a check most of the time um and it's it's terrible to see like you know it's one of those sliding door things that i would love to see the clean the version of scott the yeah. version of scott hall's career that happens without the demons without the negative influences uh on certain career decisions he made mm-hmm. as well um, because I like I was on his day a massive fan of his. Um, Hall gets a hold of Ray, but it doesn't last. Ray nails him with a slingshot leg drop to the back of the head, which looks like it fucking sucked. <laughs> and this is the one that goes Scott Hall right now. I'm just cheating because he just eye pokes Ray and then tags out. Conan tags in too. Nash gets the heat. Conan does a big fire up. Uh, bringing in Hall, who gets decked, uh, and they bail out of the ring for a breather. Uh, I do love Ray teases a dive onto both outsiders who either one individually and definitely both collectively could have caught him. <laughs> but uh, he just by teasing the dive, the two of them flinch and they get annoyed at themselves for flinching. Um, here's one of the bits, like I said, where they just don't care about logic or continuity anymore. Because Lee, at one point, blink and you'll miss it, but Disco Inferno is just in this match. Yeah, uh... <laughs> So right in front of the referee, after Hall and Ash were on the outside for whatever reason, um, Disco just gets involved in the match and starts squirting off with Conan. And it yeah. goes a good... Yeah, they just start razzling. A good, like, 60 <laughs> seconds. And yeah. then Hall just throws Disco out. I was, I was so, and then yeah, it's just back to two on two. Then I was so fucking annoyed. And there's no this. explanation. There's like, no, oh, Charles Robinson is letting this go, or whoever. I think it was Charles Robinson. Um, yeah, it was Charles Robinson because he's basically just like you can see his face is like, well, it's illegal, but whatever. And it, it goes back to that. <laughs> the NWO are still making their own rules. Yeah, even though the the whole storyline is that they're not. Anyway. um Heat on Ray. Uh, Scott Hall appears to have gotten a bloody nose at some point during this. Um, I didn't catch exactly where. 
Um, outsiders cutting off the corner, uh, beating on Ray, keeping away from Conan. Uh, I enjoyed, like, a, apart from that bit where the rules completely broke down, Disco got involved, I actually quite enjoyed this match for an NWO interference laden mm-hmm. main event. Um, Nash gets annoyed with Ray. He choke tosses Ray into the corner, but because he'd been taken off his game and wasn't thinking, he had thrown him into the corner that Conan was in. So Conan was able to tag in. House of Fire. I'll tell you what, I fucking love Conan hot tags. They fucking like, Joe, this guy is great in 30 seconds to a minute first. As we just went over, that's where he shines. You make a Rey Mysterio yeah. Conan tag team. If they took tag team wrestling seriously, there is no reason that Rey Mysterio and Conan couldn't have semi-main evented numerous pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. Uh, he nearly taps out Nash with the Tequila Sunrise. Uh, Disco interferes, but he gets taken out. The Wolf Pack is then out to beat up everyone. Stop me if you've heard that one before. I love Stevie just in a baseball cap. He's not bothered. He doesn't want to be associated with this. Um smart man yeah it's a recurring team that we'll see over the next couple of weeks as stevie is done with this shit yeah Yeah. um scott steiner hoofs charles robinson out the commentators pointed out that well that's going to be another fine for him even though again they don't make the rules they really should just fire him at this point but especially with the other stuff he's doing with kimberly uh more on that next week too um Hogan whips Ray with the weight belt. Uh, Nash gets on the mic. Thanks everybody for coming out to the Wolfpack extravaganza. They make Conan watch a la Rick and David Flair the other week as Ray gets sprayed and beaten. Hogan threatens... Okay, follow this if you will. Hogan threatens to shove the world title up Flair's ass and then whip him so hard it comes out the other side. So there you are. I, I mean... Anatomy expert, Terry Bowler. I've got nothing to add to that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the show ends with the NWO dancing like absolute nerds in celebration. Um, yeah. For the first half of this double bill, Thunder Lee, who, what did you think of the show overall, firstly? And who are your winners and losers? I really enjoyed this episode. I, I think this is one of the most enjoyable episodes we've had in a long long time um the matchups were so unique like we said you'd callow you'd psychosis you'd silver king facing off guys that we wouldn't normally see them against mm-hmm. i actually enjoyed for what it was the bobby duncan mike enos outsiders match i thought it was a fun little squash Um, dick didn't outstay it's welcome disco and garza was what it was yeah bam bam and kaz really fun squash that's the kind of stuff that you love to see on TV every week. And the main event. You do, in fact, love and to I mean, see it. And I mean, the main it. event, yeah, the, the muted reaction for the Wolfpack was startling, but both teams are so incredibly over that it doesn't matter that when they came out it was muted because by the end of it, the fans were so into this at the end of a, what had to be, like I said, three, three and a half hours at this point. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, like my biggest, my big winners on this show are. Uh, can I can I just say by the way before you say that something I love like I really enjoyed that main event as far as Thunder main events go, and it was one of those things where even though it's an NWO main event that ends in interference as they all fucking seem to, I think for once it didn't bother me too much. One because I thought the match was very well constructed up mm-hmm. until that point. 
Uh, and two, when the interference happened, instead of just being random and feeling like a waste of time, they interviewed precisely when, you know, Conan oh, the had match won. like yeah. a visual submission, like he had the match won. So it was a desperation rather than just NWO have decided the show is over. Let's beat it up, beat people up. Um, and I feel like... like- them having to do that and them beating the two guys down in a way that also played into the flair angle, I thought was as far as those, you know, beat down interference mm-hmm. NWO things go to close the show, it was one of the like, better ones. Conan was about to beat the guy that was world champion three years ago. Yeah. And not just beat him, he was about to tap him out. Um, yeah. Like, it's one of those, yeah, lo- if you think logically about it, you're like, like, that's a major, major result. Like I would say If we went back Through all of 98 Like all of Thunder To this point You could probably count On one hand The amount of people That have had like Visual mm-hmm. pinfalls Or submissions That were going to be Tap outs on Kevin Nash. And I mean Yeah Conan's their boy And that's That's why And they Obviously feel like Being in a program With Conan They're helping him Raise him up As we argued They should be Raising him up Even further But Mm-hmm. We've been over that. Um, yeah, big winners, Conan and Ray. They're, they're, it it just can't be stated enough how ready these WCW fans were in 1999 for those guys. Um, yeah. I, I'd also add to that um, Hector Garza, Silver King, and Psychosis to I mean, the winners. It's, it's eye-opening when you, when you list it out like that. Like the amount of the amount of Hispanic talent they had ready, that they mm-hmm. not everybody had to be pushed to the top, but if yeah. they had levels, they had they had people there. I mean, it it's it's maddening when you think about it because the company could have done so much more. But yeah, it it is what what it is. Um, losers. Um. I mean, Fit Finley. It, it 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 it's always going to be Fit Finley when he's on these shows because he's not over. His matches are boring, and I really don't think there's anything he can do at the moment that is going to make me interested in anything he does. You're not wrong. Right, the uh, finish counter brought to you by Ludwig Borga has seven matches on this show. Five clean finishes, one DQ and count out, one non-finish for the non-appearance of uh, the the craps of wrath. Um, and then the subsequent unofficial match that was somehow official. Um, right, that's, that's episode 48 and the can. We'll be back to you with episode 49 after this short interlude. Thanks everyone for downloading another episode of Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder is produced by Lee Malone and edited by myself, Dave Ryan, and available every second Thursday night wherever good podcasts are sold. You can follow Days of Thunder on Twitter or Instagram, where we love to hear from our listeners about all things wrestling and beer. We're at WCW Thunderpod on both platforms. I'm at the Day to Dave on Twitter, and Lee is at Malone underscore seven one three. This has been a production of the PWOM Podcast Network. Subscribe there for a veritable feast of podcasting content from wrestling of the past, like the Worldcast, through the years in the International House of Combat, to wrestling of the present with Boom Goes the Dynamite and Strong Style Story, and something a little bit different with Gideon Guys, Yours, Mine, and the Truth, and Busting Balls. Subscribe now; you won't be disappointed. Thanks. I can feel the thunder that's breaking. 
I can see through the scars inside you I can feel the thunder that's breaking in your heart I can see through the scars inside